What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we are back after a week off. Jacob and I are in studio, and Tyler will be joining us on the phone. We got your NBA bubble update as we are one day away from NBA basketball that actually counts again. We'll also discuss the latest from Major League Baseball as the Dodgers and Astros rivalry was renewed last night. And Tyler is pumped because his Seattle Seahawks made a huge move to upgrade their secondary. All this and more coming up on episode 151 of the TSK show right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 151 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pacholke. How you doing, TP? Doing good, man. Doing good. We are also joined by our co-host, producer extraordinaire, sitting across from me on the board, Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? We're uh, week off, and now we're back in studio. Except yeah. for Tyler, of course. Yeah, no, Tyler, yeah, we, we miss yeah, you. We, we miss Tyler here. <laughs> Every week. But uh, uh, yeah, if I'm out here in the quarantine zone, <laughs> like di- District Nine or whatever. <laughs> but hey, you're staying safe. That's all that matters. Yep. But uh, real quick, uh, I just wanted to dedicate this episode of the TSK show to uh, my grandfather, my papa Sam. He passed away ten days ago on the 19th, and that's why we didn't do a show last week. Uh, I just wasn't in the right space to record and. Yeah, but I just wanted to dedicate this episode to him. So, love you, Papa. Now, before we jump right into the first topic of the show, we have to remind you that this episode of the Sports Kingdom show is sponsored by Campus Point Coffee. Campus Point Coffee, probably the best coffee ever, was founded in 2019 by former UC Santa Barbara students in Isla Vista. But unfortunately, due to COVID-19, they had to close their brick-and-mortar shop and transition to a strictly online business. And Campus Point Coffee has uh, a variety of different roasts. Man, mine is almost here, and I can't wait because whatever I had this morning sucked. So, <laughs> But even if coffee isn't your thing, they have other stuff such as mugs, tumblers, shirts, and even tote bags. And you can get that all at CampusPointCoffee.com. Go to CampusPointCoffee.com, and TSK Show listeners will get 15% off their purchase just by entering the promo code TSK Show. That's capital T-S-K-S lowercase h-o-w at checkout that's promo code tsk show for 15 percent off your purchase at campuspointcoffee.com my dad actually just got his order of the medium roast and he said the taste is impeccable and it's the perfect way to start the morning support us 
and support a company that makes probably some of the best coffee ever. Also, these people are also trying to help save the beaches. Campus Point Coffee takes a portion of their profits and puts it right back into the community by organizing and funding their own beach cleanups. So if you're a coffee lover or you want to rock some cool merch while helping save the beaches, just enter promo code TSK Show at checkout. That's promo code TSK Show, capital T-S-K-S, lowercase H-O-W at checkout. Promo code TSK Show for 15% off your purchase at campuspointcoffee.com. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Three seconds at midcourt. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a play. Rebound on me. You take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. <laughs> that sounder gets better and better every time I hear it. I'm going to be butt-ass naked this weekend. It's going to be hot as hell. What? Yeah, 105, man. 102. Wait, where did you get that from? <laughs> for me saying that sounder gets better hey, well, you, and better you, you every time. You heard KG at the end. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. He did tell Craig Seager to get butt-ass naked and burn that suit. Yeah, that was an ugly suit, though. It, I mean, hey, Craig Seager had some wild suits. But anyway, the sounder, Jacob, incredible job. Also, that beat that you're using, I forgot to shout my boy out last week or two weeks ago when we did episode 150, but I got to shout out my brother, Austin Rapbomb. He goes by Rapbomb. He's a rapper, producer, engineer. He does it all. Uh, he's based in New Orleans. We met in 2015 on Birthright, which is a trip to Israel that Jews can take, uh, a free trip to Israel for 10 days. And we met on a trip there, and we we became brothers on that trip. And he was gracious enough to hook us up with some of the some beats that he's made. And that is the bed that Jacob used for all the sounders. So, uh, Austin, thank you, brother. We appreciate you. And if you want to go check out his music, check him out at Rap Bomb on Instagram. He's on SoundCloud. Just type in Rap Bomb. He's in the midst of over 600 straight days of putting out an original beat. 600 straight days of putting out an original beat. It's crazy. So go check him out. Yeah, it's it's incredible. But all right, let's let's jump into basketball. You heard the sounder. Real NBA basketball games that actually count and mean something return tomorrow for the first time in 141 days. Jeez, that feels so weird. I know. But before we get to the bubble update, let's talk about a team outside the bubble. The New York Knicks have a new coach. They've hired Tom Thibodeau. What do we think? I think it's good on paper. But we've all said this, that until the ownership of that team changes, nothing's going to change. The culture is always going to be the same. And this is not taking any anything away from Tom Thibodeau, but he can only do so much as a coach there. And he has good young players there. But again, that culture is not going to change until Dolan's gone. Yeah, I mean, Jacob basically said it. Uh, it's, nothing's going to change. Uh, that It's kind of too bad that Thibodeau is going there. I feel bad for him. He's gonna. He's got an uphill battle. They continue to strike out in free agency, so um, it's just going to be really tough to build a, a winning culture 
out there. I've seen too many people fail under this ownership. Uh, and it's kind of the same reasoning why I really hope Lamella doesn't get drafted to the Knicks, really, because I want him to be successful. Uh, I'm a fan of Thibodeau. I think he's a great coach. But like Jacob said, I mean, it's just kind of a mute point because that's uh, they've had good coaches. They've had good players. They've had opportunities to get better and to win games. And they just their ownership uh, runs it like a business because, you know, they're profitable no matter how many games they win. Yeah. Now, I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a fan of Tom Thibodeau. I think he is a good coach, but let's not, let's not forget. He does have his own culture issues. We, we saw him get run out of Minnesota or Chicago. I mean, and he, it, it was because well, of both, really, well, yeah, both really. Um, yeah, I think Minnesota though was a little bit different, but I know what you're saying with Chicago. A, a lot of people, a lot of people have taken issue in the NBA with Tom Thibodeau's ideology and how he runs practice, how he runs his team, basically. And so, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting scenario. Yeah. I do agree 100% with what Tyler said. It is very much an uphill battle for Tom Thibodeau. But, I mean, if anybody's got the grit to do it, I, I think it is Tom Thibodeau. And, again, he has yeah. this this core of young players that – he has a lot of options to go with and who he wants to cornerstone uh, cornerstone the uh, the offense around but in turn though it's just not going to be enough i think he he can go out there and he can run these badass practices and he can get on his guys and he has the you know the 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 raw youth and the talent on that team but again it's not going to change though that team's always going to suffer because the hands of it is at the owner yeah, no, I mean it's. Uh, I think Tibbs is great, and he's a, he's a, he's tough to get along with because you know he's an in-your-face guy. He demands a lot out of you, uh, so I think you know he works better with either a veteran guys or b like really gritty guys, you know, chips on the shoulder guys like Jimmy Butler, um, which he doesn't have on that but, team right now. Again, he has the youth, but and, he doesn't have that one guy. May, and it's like you may have, you know, you may have a couple of those guys, but and the talent's never been the issue. I think that they've had talent in the East. I mean, there's been less talented teams make the playoffs, you know, like teams like Brooklyn and Orlando um, last year and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like they had enough talent to go 500 in the East this year. So uh, I don't necessarily think it's on the players. I think they've had they tried a little bit of everything at coaching. Um, so. Yeah, I just I don't see how this is going to change anything until the problem changes. Yeah, definitely. But all right, let's let's move on now to what's going on in the bubble. Like I said, 141 days since the last time meaningful NBA basketball was played. The first game tomorrow night is the Utah Jazz versus the New Orleans Pelicans. Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans did have to leave the bubble, but he returned after following all the protocol. And we'll talk about some other players that left the bubble that didn't quite follow the protocol in a bit. But back to Zion. He completed his quarantine after returning to the bubble and joined his team at practice yesterday. Here's my question. What can we expect from Zion tomorrow night? And do we think that New Orleans has a legitimate chance to catch Memphis for the eighth seed or make it possible to where there is a planned scenario for the eighth seed in the West with, let's say, maybe a Portland? I still think Portland takes that last spot, and if any if any's gonna if anybody's gonna win it from the two Pelicans or the Grizzlies, I think it's gonna be the Grizzlies. 
I just think they're in a much better position to win. And I think they're kind of the underdog. Everybody's kind of going for New Orleans right now just because of the of the youth that they have with Ball. And, well, and the hype of Zion. Yeah, and the hype of Zion, of course. But And I think those guys would want to prove to the Lakers because the majority of them got traded from the Lakers. They would want to prove something by making the playoffs and potentially playing them in the first round, which would be crazy. I would love to see that. But I think Memphis still has the edge in this. Oh, yeah. Come on now. You know where I'm at. It's, they're <laughs> they're going to make the run out and get that eight seed. I mean, I think they got the easiest schedule win percentage-wise, right? Yeah, they do. Out of, the, out of, out of everybody in the bubble. And, yeah, they got a cakewalk. And, and you know and you know, Zion is, is, is ready to pop. And just like just like Jacob said, man, the thought of all those, all those you know, Lakers playing, playing the Lakers in the first round, uh, man, that'd be, you know, it'd be perfect. And uh, it's a perfect race for, for, for Zion and Jaw to get that eighth seed too. Um, I definitely think that Portland is the main, I think that Portland is the main threat to get the eighth seed. But, uh, man, you saw J.J. Redick out there playing his heart out. He's never missed the playoffs. Uh, I think this team's got, got a push in him to, uh, to get the eighth seed. I'm not betting against Zion. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately this is going to come down to we are going to see this new play-in scenario for the eighth seed. I think, like Tyler was saying, this is the perfect race for the NBA to have with Zion and Ja being such premier rookies and and all the bright lights being on them in the Orlando bubble right now and Portland with Yusuf Nurkic coming back. That's going to be a huge addition for them. So that that's why I think that we're going to get that playing scenario. But ultimately, I think that Memphis is going to hold on, like Jacob was saying. I just think that John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and that that team in Memphis is, they've ha- had the eight seed this whole time, and everybody knows that they're gunning for them, and they, they've heard all the chatter during the time off. I think they're just going to be a little bit more motivated, and not, not to say that, New Orleans and Portland aren't motivated to to get into the playoffs, but I just think Memphis is going to have that edge. Well, yeah, only because I think all eyes are on New Orleans. Everybody, again, it's the hype of Zion, and so if and you're, that's added pressure. Yeah, and if you're Memphis right now, you're you have the chip on your shoulder, saying, "Well, we have a lot of doubters that they're going with New Orleans to make that last uh, playoff spot, and that they've basically counted us out." So Memphis, Memphis has always had that mentality going into the season, and especially when they get a, a rookie like John Morant, who has that he has that cockiness and he has that ego that I think is what's fueling that I team. I wouldn't call it cockiness. Well, I think it's a cockiness. He's thing. got a charisma. Yeah, I, no, well, to me, to me, it's a cockiness. But it, it, honestly, that's what makes him a good player, though. I think that's why he's just yeah. He walks so the good. walk and talks exactly, the talk. Yeah, he. I feel like he has a little bit of an Iverson in him at times, and I think that's why that team is is bound to uh, to make the playoffs. See a lot of those reasons why I think there's there's way more pressure on the Pelicans. You know what I mean? Hundred percent agree with that. Like the, the 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 Grizzlies got the the Grizzlies have the playoff spot. The Pelicans don't. You know what I mean? And the and everybody the hype is all with the Pelicans, and the Pelicans are sitting here like the Grizzlies have their spot. And you know Lonzo was highly rated over over Jaron Jackson. Zion was rated over Jaw. Like these guys these guys are like pissed, you know, they don't want to lose. I think that their sense of urgency and, and their chip is going to be, you know, the reason why they make the push. same reasons why you think the Grizzlies are going to make the push 
are, are a lot of the reasons why I think the Pelicans are going to make the push. If you were to put a a number percentage, and, and this goes for both of you guys, if you were to put a number percentage on the chance that there is this plan scenario between a Memphis, New Orleans, and a Portland, or, or whoever it may be, what are the chances we see a, a play-in scenario to get that eighth seed in the West? Like 15%. You think it's that low? Yeah, I, I don't think it's likely. Okay. I think, I, I think there'll be a clear stand. I don't think there'll be clear standings. Jacob, what about you? Mm, probably around what Tyler said, maybe about 12%. Oh, okay. So, I'm, yeah. yeah, all right. It's it's got to be it has to be like a tie, right? I mean, they got to no, be like No, it has to be within like four games. The 8th seed has to be within four games. The 9 the 9 and the 10 seed have to be within I believe four games of the 8th seed. The 9 and the 10. So, you're saying if if the 8th seed had 45 wins, you would have to have 41 wins to be eligible for the playing game. I think so. Hold on a second. I'm looking it up. I mean, yeah, I guess I didn't really understand. I thought okay, it was, all right, I got it. I, I honestly thought it was for, for like, ties. I like, got it, I got you it. You know, there was no, what is it? The NBA's 22-team format at Orlando's Disney World would bring the 16 teams currently in a playoff spot, six additional teams, and include a play-in tournament for the eighth seed, Source had said. If the ninth seed is more than four games behind the eighth seed, the eighth seed earns the playoff spot. If the ninth seed is four or fewer games behind, then the eighth and ninth seed will enter a play-in tournament that is double elimination for the eighth seed. And this is, uh, that was from well, Shane then, I mean, Okay, well, then in that, that case, I would say 99%. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be closer than four games. Okay. Yeah, because I was yeah, like, I thought, I thought, I, I, to, to be honest with you, in my, in my head, I thought that if there was an eight nine tie, that that would force the seven ten. That that would have been the only way. Yeah, like, yeah. Got I, it. I thought that that's, but obviously didn't under, didn't understand those rules. So yeah, I mean, I got to, I got to change my answer. I mean, it's got to be. There's no way that, that these teams aren't within four games of each other. That that's what I was thinking because it's like they wouldn't have added yeah. that into the stipulations of coming back if they weren't uh, like pretty confident yeah. that it was going to happen. Well, the West is really yeah. close. Dallas is in seven right now, and the Grizzlies are in the eighth spot. What are the, what are the games back though? So Dallas is eleven games behind. Uh, the Grizzlies are 18 games behind. So the Grizzlies are seven games behind Dallas for seven. But how many? So base, so and then, and then Portland. Portland is 21 and a half games behind, and they're tied with that with Port uh, with uh, New Orleans. So Portland and New Orleans are 21 and a half. Yeah, they're both so 21 they're, and a half. So they're three and a half games behind. Oh, same thing with Sacramento. All three teams are tied. So they're they're all three yeah. three and a half games behind Memphis for the eighth seed, and then San Antonio is not ruled out either. They're twenty two games behind. Jesus. So yeah, yeah that that last there's a span of like six teams that those last two spots are up for grabs. Now I think Dallas holds on to that seven spot. Yeah, but Dallas that, I think is locked. But it that up. eight spot I think is up for grabs. Now Portland I think is the favorite, but then you have teams. I don't think Sacramento, but maybe the Spurs somehow, or you have. Uh, New Orleans or yeah. Portland hangs on. There's just so many options you can go with with that last spot. 
I mean, it's going to be fun. Well, it's it's crazy because you see the the East and it's completely different. There's only two teams that have to really fight for it because Brooklyn is 22 and a half games behind and they're at the seventh spot. Now, Orlando, they're 23 games behind. They're in the eighth spot. And the only other team that can compete for that last spot is the Wizards. And they're at 28 and a half games behind. So what you said, 22 and 28? It's yeah, 20, 22 and a half, 23, 28 and a half. So Washington has a little bit of ground to cover. Four and a half games. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, let's see. I just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was definitely good to see the, um, you know, that there was zero cases in the bubble versus, you know, other sports. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it's promising, but, uh, you know, I also am still pretty pessimistic that this is going to work out all, and we're going to be able to see it all the way to the end. Yeah. We're, ca- we're cautiously optimistic here. But all right, the the main event tomorrow night, obviously, is the Clippers and the Lakers. The Clippers will be without two of their biggest pieces and maybe (laughs) even three. Uh, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell and Patrick Beverly is listed as questionable. Lou Will and Trez, they are out. Trez, who has yet to return to the bubble, had to leave to deal with a family emergency, which I believe was a death in the family. And we'll talk about on-the-court stuff in a second, but we first got to start with Lou Will and his now infamous trip to Magic City in Atlanta for some wings. I want to see how much pull we have in the city of Atlanta, see if we can get some of those chicken wings oh, sent down here to Orlando. Oh, no, because you I, didn't. We could, celebrate, <laughs> we could celebrate the restart with those wings. <laughs> so, obviously, that was Kevin Harlan on one of the broadcasts making a joke about it. Now, Lou Will did originally leave the bubble for a death in his family like Montrez Harrell, but Lou, who is on the record on Twitter saying that anyone who knows him knows exactly where his favorite wing spot is. Hey, apparently they have good wings. I saw pictures of them. He decided to make a stop at Magic City, which, by the way, he does have his own flavor, the Lou Will Lemon Pepper Barbecue, and rapper Jack Harlow happened to also be. Well, he did play for the Hawks for a while. Yeah, and I th- I think Lou Will is actually from Atlanta. Yeah. So yes, sir. South uh, Gwinnett's own. Yep. Uh, rapper Jack Harlow also happened to be at the establishment at the same time as Lou Will, and they happened to snap a pic together. And Jack Harlow posted it on his Instagram story, which was then obviously quickly God deleted. Damn it. Yeah. You, oh, oh you, didn't, you didn't know it got posted on IG? No, I did. I'm just reacting. This. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is why you can't have nice things. No, literally, literally. But listen, I'm not going to fault the guy for wanting to get his favorite food while he was home. And obviously he's grieving. It's a mental state. Like, I get it. Like, he wanted to get his favorite food. But he has to understand the ramifications of (laughs) being in a strip club. Just imagine when you get caught. Regardless of how long he was there, regardless of if he was just there picking up takeout, but being at a strip club during a pandemic, you're putting yourself, your team, and the rest of the NBA's players, coaches, medical staff, media, all of the people in the bubble, you're putting them at risk. Now, on top of that, you're on an approved trip away from the NBA bubble where either way you're going to have to quarantine when you get back to the bubble. And if you have to quarantine for an extended period of time, you could miss games, which means you miss game checks. Lou Will, like I said, 
is going to have to miss the first two games for the Clippers of these eight seeding games because he will be in quarantine. He's going to lose about $150,000. I don't think this is an unfair statement to make, but this was a really selfish move <laughs> on Lou Will's part, in my opinion. What do you guys think? I just sum it up as that he was getting tired of the food at the NBA bubble. He just didn't want fruit cups and he can postmates it to the edge of the salads. bubble, man. But, just don't but, cross yeah. the line. Does I don't know. Does Magic City have Postmates or Grubhub? I don't, think, I don't think Magic City will Postmates from Atlanta to Orlando, but I mean, <laughs> oh, well, all right. Then. I'm sure there's a wing stop in Orlando. It might not be as good, but hey, he, hey, he wanted his favorite wings. Can't you can't fault the guy? But in you know, in all seriousness, yeah, he did. He had a choice to make, and he chose this, but he didn't think about his his other players and his teammates, you know, and, and the coaching staff. There's but, real life ramifications yeah. to this. But again, this is why they have they have the, the NBA. They plan this all out that if you were going to be exposed outside of the bubble, that this is what's going to happen, and this is what's happening to him. So I think he's fine. Like Zion followed protocol. Trez, I believe, is following protocol. Hopefully, uh, other players that have had to leave the bubble followed protocol. Tyler, what what do you think? Yeah, man, I mean, I choose to believe, like, Lou Will's story, which is, like, all good. But it's just, like, you know, like you said, even if he was there for 20 minutes to pick up takeout, it's just, like, a bad look. You know, you're a pro athlete, and, you you know, you're a vet, and you know things like this, you know. It's a, it is just kind of a lapse in judgment, I think. Um, you know, I think that he didn't think about it as being a strip club, but – you know, if it was a restaurant, it would have been fine. But literally, the fact that it was just because it was a strip, there could have been no dancers working. Apparently, you know, there were. But, but I mean, that's like, but that's not even the <laughs> No, point, I know, you know I, I know. Mean? It's, just, it's just like the establishment. And yeah, so it's the stigma. It was just, a, I, I don't think it was necessarily a selfish move. I just think it was, it was, a, it was just a lapse in judgment for a veteran player like that. Uh, and, you know, like super super unfortunate timing and jack harlow's an idiot for posting it on his instagram story and getting him caught up in the first place Which, and so it's like what are the odds that if you never take that picture we never even know about this right well did so, you see what so, perkins said he ripped lou will a new one he said that he can't believe that a player like zion williamson who this rookie. is his first year has more maturity in listening to protocol than lou williams does that's just that's just a harsh judgment i mean like you said, uh, uh, it was just uh, he was attending a family matter. You know, that's where he was at on his way back to the bubble. Uh, obviously, he wasn't in the best headspace, like Eric says, getting some comfort food and stuff. It's it was just a lapse in judgment, and and obviously, unfortunate timing. I think I don't I don't want to I don't want to like judge judge the dude too hard. I think he's being punished enough uh, by the NBA. Um, just an unfortunate look for a vet. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not the play. It's not the playoffs, though. You know. Yeah, we're, we're good. They're, they're lost. Well, he is they're costing his team, and his team is in a pretty good position to win the title this year. But he's not going to well, miss any of those games. Just, yeah, but no, but still, they're, they're going to be a top three seed. They're really good. But, anyways, we we can make all the jokes we want, but let's. Oh, we, there was we, there was plenty of them. I, mean, I think. I think the judgment from guys like Perkins is way too like just out of there. I think I think and, just and like I mean this at this point at this point we know up, you know and at this point we know Perk is just playing up to TV. We know he's a character when he's on TV now. Like 
He, uh, he and, yeah, I take I, what, I take what Perk says now with a grain of salt. Yeah, well, and if anybody else, I mean, it's just like, dude, give the guy a break. I think uh, it's not not the biggest not the biggest deal in the world. I think the the suspension that he got was like, you know, fit the crime. If not, it was a little a little much. I mean, I think one game would be. Be right. Well, no, it's not a suspension. It's that he has to quarantine to make well, sure he yeah. doesn't get the, make sure he doesn't test positive yeah. in those times. Right, and like he, I, and while he was I, away from the bubble, it's, uh, it's the punishment for breaking quarantine is to re-quarantine. I guess you're right, but missing two games, you know, for this, it's unfortunate, but it's the timing. But yeah, I mean, it, it it is unfortunate timing, but that's that's just the way the cookie crumbles in this this scenario. That's that's the guidelines they got to go by. Yeah, people are too being too hard on Lewell. I hope the wings were enjoyable. I'm, I bet they were. I bet they were. They were. But he's like, fuck it, I'm gonna get some time off. <laughs> but like, like I said, we've we've had what four months to make jokes. Now we we got actual basketball to play, and let's let's talk about the Lakers first, and then I got a question about what to expect from the Clippers. What have we thought of the additions? the Lakers have made from what we've seen in the scrimmages. We talked about J.R. Smith potentially starting two weeks ago on episode 150. That was kind of what we were throwing out there as just kind of brainstorming lineups, uh, talking about the addition of J.R. Smith. But it looks like the the starting five will be KCP, Danny Green, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and then JaVale McGee at center. And then we talked about Deion Waiters also on episode 150. I like what I've seen from Dion Waiters, and I think it's it honestly couldn't have worked out better for the Lakers that when Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo go down, they replace them with the best available guard talent out there in Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith, excluding Darren Collison, obviously, because he made it clear at, after the first attempt in him maybe coming back that he wasn't going to come out of retirement. So... What do we think about what we've seen from the Lakers in the scrimmages, and and what do we think we're going to see tomorrow night against the Clippers? I think so far it's been pretty good and steady for uh, Waiters and Jarrah Smith. I think they both had really good games. I believe it was the second game of their scr- of the scrimmages that they both had double digit scoring, which yeah. is good, and it's good to see too. And because in the, in the third game, I believe Jarrah Smith was like six or seven from three. Yeah, see, that to me is good to see, especially in his point, is that he's had so much time off that it almost looks like he kind of never, you know, he just picked it back up. And that to me is good for that team, especially when you lose two guards and one of them is Avery Bradley because you lose that that scoring that he did. He didn't give you a lot of scoring, but he also gave you the the defense. But I think I'm liking what I'm seeing from what the Lakers picked up. I think it's good. Now, the, the addition, though, is Kyle Kuzma had a really poor game, the first scrimmage, and then his second game was a lot better it was on his birthday and, too yeah which is good so i think that's what you want to see because that's technically your bench now J.R. smith waiters and kuzma if they go with that and starting caruso five. yeah and caruso so i think that 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 uh unit needs to gel more and seeing them you know play pretty well is is good for the lakers i knew jr was gonna be just a, <laughs> just a just a boost of chemistry you know you see you see what happens when you get him on the court it's just like every, you know, he's just like the ultimate Robin to all these superstars. Uh, he, he's he's a great teammate. He plays defense, hits shots, does crazy shit on the court. Um, and then Dion, yeah, man, I'm I'm 
Lakers are stacked. I mean, I think they got better. <laughs> they got better since the the quarantine ended. I love Avery and I love Rondo, but I don't. I honestly don't think that they're Dion and Jr. You know, I think that if the Lakers had made a trade, Rondo and Avery for these two Lakers fans have been happy. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, the KCP thing makes sense just because he's been with the squad. Um, but uh, I I hope that they play around with that position. Uh, during this little uh, regular stretch before the playoffs, just uh, you know, just to see what they're working want. with more. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily want KCP guarding, you know, the starting point guards for all these Western Conference teams. Yeah, no, that ma- that but, makes sense. I mean, he's a he, he's a good defender, but man, he, he he doesn't you know it doesn't give you a ton on offense. So it's just uh, I don't know. I would like to see him mess around with that lineup. I guess. Yeah. Now, another thing that I will say I I was impressed by was just honestly how they all looked physically, uh, conditioning-wise, on the court uh, from this time off. I I think it's been well documented that a lot of the players did stay in contact during the break, and there, there was a big team group chat, and everybody was holding each other accountable, and I think we saw the results of that in the play on the court in the scrimmages. And I know these scrimmages really didn't mean a single thing, but just seeing them out on the court again, I, it was reassuring to me seeing that they really took this time off seriously. And I think you can also tell in watching other scrimmages, what players on other teams didn't take this time seriously. So I was impressed to see the Lakers, and how how they looked physically on the court. One thing to add too about Waiters is that he's always had that thing above his head that you know him being overweight, and he did have seasons where he was out of shape. He looked good, and honestly, seeing him on the court, he looked pretty solid. Like I don't think he's in the best shape of his life, but I think where he's at now is perfect for this team. He could take it up a notch, obviously, but and he knows what's at stake. I, I mean, he's he's on a contender now. He listen, he was on a contender in Miami because Miami has a really solid team this year, but his time in Miami, it was over. It it just wasn't a good fit anymore. Yeah, he, did, he didn't mesh well with, with Hero and Butler uh, so, and Bam. But, so him now being on the Lakers, I think it, it was that perfect motivation that he needed to, to, one, get in shape, and two, it's like, all right, I'm on a contender. I can, I can fight for a ring. I got arguably the best player, not only in the league right now, but maybe even ever as my teammate and, and a leader. I messed it up once before. Let's not fuck it up again. Yeah, again, it's just great to see him that, you know, he's in better shape. And, again, him and Kuzma and Smith, they're going to have to lead that that second unit. It's it's all on them. Yeah, I mean, I think he was definitely just ready, you know, being one of the better guys out there as one of the guys available to be picked up to a bubble team. And all the bubble teams are contenders. So, um, obviously, I think he was, you know, getting ready. And it's – I would have been more disappointed to see people come out of shape. I mean, I, I expect the Lakers as pro athletes and being on the bronze team to be locked in and come out like gunning, you know, 100%. and it's, it's the, the more, the more telling thing about a LeBron team, which I've always, I think I've said my whole life uh, as far as LeBron's career goes is like, when you see them start having fun and shit and celebrating on the sidelines and smiling and Dwight's laughing and, 
that's when LeBron teams are the most dangerous. And that's one thing I mean, that's that, been consistent with this Lakers team is they have a lot of fun. The bench is always into the game. They're always that's, that's that J that JR effect, you know. A hundred percent. That he feeds right into that. I'm not saying it's it's him on this. No, you know, he, no, you're right of, though. He feeds Dwight's right into it. Guys. Yeah, man. It's, it's the Cleveland teams in, in the early 2000s and and the Miami teams. You know, they were. God, it was frustrating to watch those teams because they would whoop your ass. You know, pass the ball seven times in play and dunk it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what the Lakers look like right now. And with no fans yeah. and with no fans in the stand, that's what you have to play up to is you got to play up to the bench and the bench has to be engaged in the game for it to, for it to work. I think. It's just, it's just like, this is LeBron's legacy right here. And he's just showing you why. And, and he's locked in and his whole team is locked in for him. You know what I mean? And it's just so impressive what he's doing, running through the West, um, and he's and this team is this team is definitely the odds, you know, the favorite to win this thing. No doubt. Now, all right, for the Clippers, their opponent, the Lakers opponent tomorrow night, obviously, like we said, they're not gonna have Lou Williams, they're not gonna have Montrez Harrell, they might not have Patrick Beverly, even he's listed as questionable for tomorrow night's game. What are Kawhi Leonard and Paul George gonna have to do tomorrow night? in the absence of those players to make their absence not be felt as much. I think not having Trez and not having Lou Will, it's a big loss for the Clippers right now because I think they're going to eventually get them back. No, they'll get them back. But but those are two guys that are averaging almost 20 points off the bench. They're the leading like scoring duo off the bench in NBA history. Yeah, which is, which is great to see. But I think as far as Kawhi and Paul George doing – you know, a lot more. I don't think they have to do a lot more. What's great about this Clipper team, and, you know, I hate to say it because I do go for the Lakers, but this Clipper team is just so stacked. Yeah, they're and, deep. And they're just so deep. And I think that this, this lineup and this roster that they have is perfect for this bubble because they picked up kind of where they left off. Yeah, you could say maybe the chemistry is lacking, but I think with them, though, is that they just have so many guys that can do so many different things that they don't even really need Lou Will right now or, or Trez or or Patrick, you know, Patrick Beverly, but they will in the long run. But what I'm saying is that it, I think they're just so so deep in the roster that I think they're going to be fine going into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think, like Jacob said, it's not for one game, it's it's not a big deal. They got the two most important parts. They got Kawhi, and, and they got Kawhi, they got Paul George, and to answer your question, Eric, what they have to do to beat play against the Lakers, all they got to do is guard LeBron and AD. You know what I mean? They don't got anybody to guard AD, though. No, but, I mean, if they, if they can make it happen, it's, it's basically a two-on-two game. Uh, but in a seven-game series, that costs them the series. Yeah, they for can't sure. Win without can't win without that bench. But this game tomorrow, or, it does, or the game against the Clippers, don't really matter. I mean, these Lakers-Clippers games have kind of been a – what the first one had had a bunch of injuries in it as well, right? Um, there's been stars missing from almost all of the Lakers Clipper games. Yeah, I think the third one was the only one that all four yeah. stars played in the game. Yeah, and and so it's uh, you know it's it's, it's going to be fun to see. It, hopefully, we get Kawhi and Paul Paul George out there along with AD. 
I think it's going to be an interesting approach for the Clippers in the bubble because they're in second place right now in the Western Conference. Jacob, I don't know if you still have the standings still pulled up, but they're they're in second place right now. I believe it's five and a half games in between the Lakers and the Clippers right now. There's only eight games in this seeding. I think the Lakers have the the number one seed locked up in the West because I think the Clippers are going to take the load management approach like they have been all season to where they they might not take I don't want to say take these games as serious but I think like I was saying they might take the the load management route to where they save Kawhi and Paul George for the playoffs like their plan was all along this season. Yeah, they've been doing it all season and especially with Kawhi Leonard, they want to they their whole plan was to reserve him for the the playoffs specifically. Right. So I think I think they might concede the number 1 seed. Yeah, honestly, if I'm Doc Rivers and the Clippers, I don't care about getting the number one seed because in turn you're going to be playing what the Mavericks probably and to them I think that's a, a better matchup oh you're saying if they're the two seed yeah if they're, yeah. If they're the two seed yeah I think that they favor that matchup they don't care because they're going to see the Lakers eventually in the semis or in the in the conference finals the, yeah depending on which side of the bracket they fall mm -hmm. on Tyler what about you you think they the Clippers will take the load management approach or yeah absolutely as they should I think I think it's a smart they're a veteran team that's it's poised to make a playoff run, so they just need to keep their hold their spot at the two, which I think they will. So uh, I think more than likely you just see an LA one two Clippers play load management just to ride out the two spot. Yeah. Now, all right. Last thing before uh, we transition from basketball to baseball, the NBA awards this season, the, the regular season awards will be based off of stats from up to March 11th, the day the NBA season was suspended. And any player making their debut in the bubble will be eligible for the Rookie of the Year award next season. So, Bobol, who's making his... I'm voting for him. Well, he's had a hell of a of two scrimmage games. Well, no, he's, he's eligible for next year's Rookie yeah. of the Year, not this year's. So... Well, yeah, no, no, that's what I meant. I'm voting for him next year. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see what he does next year, but... Also, the, the season stat leaders for this season, those will include the eight seeding games in the bubble. The league told teams that the decision, quote, the decision to exclude seeding games from awards, uh, awards voting ensures a fair process in which players and coaches from all 30 teams will have the same opportunity to be honored. You think this is a good idea or a bad idea? This is the, that shit that why there's going to be an asterisk next to the season. It, it's just like, it's not, that, that's. Yeah, the, it's not consistent. That Bull Bull is eligible. It's just so fucking dumb to me. Like the guy's playing in NBA basketball games. Like, okay, say he doesn't, he, he's only played in scrimmages so far. But if he plays in one of these seeding games, it's like you are an NBA player. He plays in, the first, in a conference finals game and then next year can win rookie of the year. Like he, he could potentially win to in, in this crazy world win Finals MVP. He could and be, and be rookie and be rookie of the year next year. And then it's just like this is it's yeah. This is why I didn't like this idea to begin with, with only a certain amount of teams because it's not how do you rate it because there's certain teams just not there, and it, and so it's not fair to the teams that's not there, and it's not fair to the guys that are there. They, they're just like trying to limp their way to like a playoff. It's ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, man, it, it's stupid, I think. I think it's ridiculous. And this is why this is an asterisk season. It's like these games 
don't count. You know, so does does it count towards career points? You know, can he have? Is can Bull Bull have a hundred career points by the end of the seeding games, and then like break his leg? God forbid, knock on wood, in the off season, never play another game, and he just never played in the NBA. You know, like those those games are it's weird. That's a good point. And uh, and and you know, it's 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 pretty ridiculous to me. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Pretty now passionately. The, now the award, yeah, and, and it's just like, yeah, yeah Tyler told us how like, he really felt about it. To exclude it from the awards and shit, it's just like that's bullshit. I mean, so what? So why are we playing the games? It's like is it, the award is to get through this crazy season. Every season, there's some sort of adversity. There's something, you know, stars injured, whatever. But it's like, so you're just like not counting this part of the season, you know? I think it's pretty, pretty whack, man. It's like the season should be finished, then you give out the awards. Yeah, no, I I don't like that the the bubble stats aren't going to count towards the awards. I think that completely just like negates the awards and and all of that. So it's everything. It's just such. So you were MVP of the of that of three quarters of the season, right? It, it's just like uh, all right, you techni- know, like, technically a player in the bubble or not in the bubble could win MVP for this regular season, yet they didn't finish the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, even, even if you did, it's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a good representation of about everyone had to go through this pandemic. Um, and they didn't treat everybody the same moving forward. Some people are playing, some people aren't, some people are opting out. Some people are playing. It's just like, it's, it's a bunch of bullshit. And, I don't think it's a fair representation in in the history of the NBA compared to like other seasons. It's not like a fair playing field. I should probably know the answer to this question, but I don't, so I'm going to ask it. Do these eight seeding games count towards teams' regular season records, or are they just going like... Well, some teams are not even playing, like the... uh, Not the Suns, who is it? The Timberwolves and the Warriors. So... I don't see why it would go on the record, but no, 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 no. I'm not. No, I'm not saying those teams. I'm saying like, well, yeah, I don't know what that was. My point is that they're not playing. So does it go on on like a win loss record? Is that what you're saying? Right. I'm saying like if the Lakers go eight and zero, does that get added to their? I think they have forty four wins or forty five wins right now. What do they yeah, have? Yeah, yeah. It, it has to because you're not. not everybody's not starting out at zero. Forty nine. Forty nine. You know what I mean? So. So just to keep the spread, you know, just for the seeding purposes, like those teams get to keep their lead. So they've got to add the wins on top of what they've already got. Okay. that That's what I thought. I just, I wasn't sure, but anyway, yeah, that's, that is just, that's so ridiculous. I can't believe that about the rookie thing, making your debut in this. It's just so crazy. Yeah. But all right, let's, uh, let's transition to some baseball. Here we go. Clayton Kershaw pitches a no-hitter, a career-high 15 strikeouts. He's a new all-time hit king in Major League history, number two, five, eight, my, oh, my. Line to left field, moment after moment, memory after memory. The Dodgers have done it again. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Muncy hits this ball to deep right field. Forget about it. 
Muncie with a splash hit. Veritek and A-Rod going at it. Swing and a drive. Absolute madness. It's going to take forever to get this thing straightened out. Little popper to the left side. Newman settles under it. And Lucy puts supper on the stove, my dear, because this ball game is over. Well done, Jacob. Well yeah, done. There's more to come, too. That's the first time I've heard the baseball one. That's the first time Tyler has heard the baseball one. Well done, brother. Well done. Tyler, what'd you think? Yeah, those are sick. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. All right. Now, before we get into the Astros and Dodgers, little brouhaha, if you want to call it. we, we oh, have, oh, it was more than that. Uh, I don't know if it was even a brouhaha, but... Uh, we, we have to discuss what is going on with the Miami Marlins. Another Miami Marlins player has tested positive for the coronavirus, bringing the number of cases in their traveling party to 18. Major League Baseball had already postponed all of the Marlins games through Sunday after the team's recent outbreak, and the Marlins have remained in Philadelphia where they played last weekend and they've been undergoing daily testing since they've been in Philadelphia. Now, there are zero positive tests in the MLS bubble, the Major League Soccer bubble, making it nine consecutive reports of zero positive tests from their host hotel over the past three weeks. There have been zero positive tests in the NBA bubble since the last report on July 20th, like Tyler brought up, when we were talking some basketball a little bit ago, that means the NBA has had consecutive rounds of zero positive tests now in the bubble. Here's my question for you guys with MLB already having to postpone games for the Marlins and that creating a whole slew of schedule issues for not only just the Marlins, but the Marlins opponents to which now they had to, to shuffle around and it, this now affects other teams. Is it too late for Major League Baseball to try and persuade all of the teams to enter a bubble to ensure that they finish this season? Man, I, I, it's just uh, it's tough, man. I, I don't know what the right answer is because I've seen successes outside the bubble in you know other countries with Premier League soccer and just playing in empty stadiums, and and. Unfortunately, I think it's more of just our mishandling of this virus in as general. a country. Yeah, as a I know the the bubble's been good, but but man, it's just like there's something to the bubble where it's like even if it goes good, did it really go good? I mean, the people that are opting out of playing, you know, like Della Don for the WNBA, it's just like that's that it, it's ridiculous to ask these players to like kind of put themselves in harm's way, even though. It's been like good so far, you know. It's like, what about the people that have to stay home? Um, you know, I just don't really think there's any winning. And as far as baseball is concerned, uh, you know, I think getting in the bubble uh, is not going to necessarily help. It looks like there's just like an issue already. I you know, I think it's going to be it's going to take too long. Yeah, I think I don't think that. Like, even though I asked the question, I don't think that they're going to force the teams into a bubble. The, the players were already against it. They wouldn't have had a season if that was the ultimate proposal that MLB put across the table to the Players Association. So I don't think that MLB is going to go 
to a bubble, but it's just I don't know how they can sustain this. If I, I understand it, it's one team, but like there are other smaller outbreaks on on a few other teams, but it's just like one or two people in the in the traveling parties or one or two players or coaches. But it's like I just I don't know how they can finish the season if this gets worse. Plus, Manfred already tainted that relationship with the players in the in the, well, in the bargaining agreement. Rob Manfred's, see, a, that Rob was, Manfred's yeah. a joke in the first place. See, that, we'll, that, we'll was, get to that, that was bit, already but. an issue. But I think in from the players' standpoint, though, they're not going to want to go to a bubble. In But in turn, though, the way the NBA did it, again, all three of us sat here on the show and said multiple times that we it, didn't it, think it was going to work. It was going to work, but I'm kind of eating my words now because it honestly is working. Now, could it so go far, wrong? Yes, so, yeah, so far. Could it go wrong? Yes, in turn, it can go far because there is people who for sure are going to be testing positive in a couple of weeks, days, who knows. But I think the format of it is actually working, and they're going about it correct with the protocols that if a player tests, you know, they're they, they're isolated in their quarantine, and you still go about having your practices, games, and scrimmages, whatever the case may be. But with baseball, though, there's so much travel. You heard about with with Toronto and uh, and the and the Blue Jays. Canada said if you want to if you yeah, want to play they, and you want to resume your season, go do it in the U.S. You're not doing it here. Yeah, they didn't they didn't want any part of teams from the United States coming into Canada to play the Toronto Blue Jays. And I, I don't blame them, honestly. No, because this country, again, this is more of a political thing, and I don't want to get into that so much. But, yeah, this country hasn't dealt with it as other countries have correctly. And yeah. the way we're dealing with it now, with baseball, though, again, you're traveling from place to place. And so, especially in the MLB, they play so many teams and so many people multiple times, and the travel is just, it's crazy. I don't, I think it's maybe the most travel well, out of all well, the they, major league sports. And they tried to limit it by by saying you can only play your division and then your division counterpart in the opposite league. So the AL West and the NL West only play each other and so on and so forth. So they tried to limit the travel there, but. No, but that wasn't enough. I think that yeah. what they really should have done is. Who, yeah, I think there they, was going to be players. They forced a bubble. They yeah, had there was going to be players that were going to be griping about it. The NBA had those, but with the MLB, you should have just said, "Hey, this is the state we're playing in. This is the arenas we're playing in. The season's going to continue. You come or you don't come." Yeah, and that that's ultimately what I think the NFL is doing. The NFL, though, is a little bit different. But, yeah, I hope they do something like that because I think, again, the NFL was looking and they were just observing what the NBA is going to do and what the MLB is going to do. Yeah, we'll talk about the NFL in a little bit. Yeah, man. I mean, I just think that the Marlins are just like it's a. This is a pro sports organization. They've got millions of dollars going into their, you know, their daily protocols and how they deal with all of this. This is not like a high school baseball team breaking out and canceling high school baseball. This is a professional sports league, and I just think that the fact that that can break out whole, you know, like the the size of that outbreak. It's just proof that I think that eventually something's going to happen. Now, that's a pessimistic outlook, and, you know, the bubbles could work, but I think that it, it, it's only time until something happens. Can we really can we really get through this? No, I, I think that we should shut down sports ultimately for 2020, you know, basically how I felt most of the year. Yeah, that's how we've, and, we've all felt and, about and this. And the Marlins, the Marlins is just like the perfect example of why. You know what I mean? It's just like we're not fit to – pull off this kind of shit yeah not yet not yet not now yeah but all right on the field let's 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 talk a little local stuff now the dodgers currently they're they're three and two for the season they're playing their sixth game right now 
It's the bottom of the 12th inning. It is two to two with one out and Jose Altuve just walked for the Houston Astros. They're in Houston. They, the Dodgers, they split the first series two, two against the hated ones from up North, the San Francisco giants. Their pitching staff has already experienced some bumps and bruises as Kershaw was a last minute scratch on opening day for his back. Alex Wood got placed on the IL yesterday as well. Like I said, the boys in blue, they're, they're currently playing the Astros right now in Houston. And last night it was the Dodgers first time back in Houston since the now infamous 2017 world series where the Astros cheated to win. Now let me set the, set the stage for, for what happened last night. It was five to two Dodgers were leading in the bottom of the sixth inning and that's where relief pitcher Joe Kelly stole the hearts of Dodger fans everywhere and cemented his legacy as a Dodger after being a villain in the eyes of so many Dodgers fans after hitting and breaking Hanley Ramirez's rib in the 2013 playoffs. And then Joe Kelly was also a member of the 2018 Red Sox along with Mookie Betts who beat the Dodgers in the World Series. And there are some questions about if the Red Sox cheated in that series. So, Joe Kelly's on the mound. It's a 3-0 count. And a 96-mile-an-hour fastball was thrown by Joe Kelly over Alex Bregman's head for ball four. And I believe that it was a curveball that slipped, and it ended up being 96 miles an hour over his head. Anyway, later on, one batter later, Joe Kelly is covering first base because there's a ground ball by Brantley of the Houston Astros and Brantley spikes Joe Kelly at first base as he tries to put his foot on the bag. I don't think it was intentional, but still probably hurt. You can hear somebody from the Astros dugout. And I believe it was Dusty Baker, their manager after Joe Kelly turned around and kind of said something to Brantley Someone from the Astros dugout was like, get back on the mound, little fucker, to Kelly after he said something to Brantley. And then Carlos Correa comes up to bat, and Joe Kelly loses control of a breaking ball, and that goes over Carlos Correa's head. And Correa in the moment wasn't happy, but he had to regain his composure real quick because he had to finish the at-bat, and Joe Kelly ends up striking him out. After striking him out, Kelly and Correa exchange words, and then the bench is clear, and some more words were had between the two teams, but no punches were thrown, and cooler heads prevailed. Now, the punishments for last night's actions have come out, and Joe Kelly was suspended eight games. He's appealing the suspension, but he was suspended eight games for what happened last night. Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, he was suspended one game. And Dusty Baker, the manager of the Houston Astros, was only fined. I cannot believe that Joe Kelly was suspended eight games. It's a joke. Eight games is the equivalent of 22 games in, the, in a regular 162-game season. The fact that, like, Joe Kelly's going to appeal this. It'll probably get knocked down. He'll probably serve about three to five games. But here's the thing. 
He did not hit anybody. And the fact that Joe Kelly is going to have to miss more games than a single solitary player on that Houston Asterix team. And yes, I said Houston Asterix. The fact that Joe Kelly is going to miss more games for a punishment than any of those Houston Asterix who cheated to win a World Series is a crime against anybody who loves the game of baseball. It completely invalidates what little integrity MLB baseball had left. It's it's a joke. I think what really pisses people off, though, is the fact that it was against the Astros, and that's why he's serving his sus- suspension. Because they didn't get punished for it necessarily. It just looked like maybe a slap on the wrist. Listen, And I, he gets suspended eight games, and so does I Roberts. Know, I know that I was saying I was defending Joe Kelly with saying that the fastball got away and it was supposed to be a curveball. The slider got away and it just didn't slide. It didn't break all of that. Joe Kelly's known to have control issues. There's a video on social media that he put out of him practicing during the layoff uh, in between spring training, getting postponed and the, and the season starting back up where he completely misses a 20 by 20 net and breaks a window in his house from a pitch that he's trying to work on it, and it's the same exact pitch he was trying to use against Alex Bregman, and it just so happened to go over Bregman's head. But either way, regardless of if it was intentional or not, Major League Baseball had to know that this was going to happen because they did not take care of the Astros and serve down a harsher punishment originally. Can we stop minimizing how important and and how hard it is to win a World Series? The Astros cheated to win a World Series, and then Rob Manfred, the worst commissioner in all of major American professional sports now after this whole debacle, called the commissioner's trophy, the World Series trophy, a piece of metal. Rob Manfred is a clown. He's handled this completely wrong it's a joke that joe kelly's going to serve more games under suspension than any one of those players from houston it's it's a it's like i said it's a crime against anybody who loves the game of baseball i i uh i took notes while you were writing so i remember everything <laughs> i know i know it was a lot a, but i'm, no, no, I'm no, pissed no, off no, i got i got i got of it no I, I know how you feel uh that's how i feel about the nba and their and their bullshit with their stats and inviting half the teams, but uh, uh, I think that you know I'm kind of a, a baseball kind of uh, antagonizer. You know I'm kind of always trying to see people suffer just because I'm not a baseball fan, and you know uh, I don't know why why, but uh, the Astros are probably the the most fun thing to watch now just because of the reaction I get <laughs> from every team. It's I mean like you're gonna see a lot of fireworks. Happen. Yeah, so I'm so excited to watch them play more. Um, a Joe, Joe Kelly stole the LA fan, uh, LA Dodger fans' hearts. I wrote a little LOL next to that one because <laughs> as soon as as soon as he goes to the playoffs and doesn't win a World Series, you guys will throw his jersey onto the field. Uh, I think all those pitches were intentional. They woke. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny that you said Sir, serve three to five games. Like after the appeal, like it was a prison sentence. <laughs> uh, the, I think that the suspension was the eight games was to send a message to the league 
on yeah. how they're going to deal with uh, that. I agree with dealing with it. And then I also think that the broken window, um, I think that that was a hoax. It wasn't a hoax. There's video on social media, Tyler. It happened. I know. I know. I think he. I think he did it on purpose. Oh, get out of here! Hey, I'm just saying, man. Get out of here with your conspiracy theories, Tyler. It it worked, did it not? He got the views. He got the plays. I'm just saying. Like, (laughs) I didn't know who that guy was until then. You know what I mean? Like, it worked. Oh man, Jacob, any reaction? Those are my cliff notes for Star's speech. <laughs> I mean, I think it's upsetting just because of how it went down. But again, he was he was acting a little over the top. But in his defense, though, again, it's more upsetting because of who they're playing. Wait, who was acting over the top? Me? No, 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 not you. Oh. No, I was talking about Kelly. Oh, well, yeah, well, well. no, not you. No, no, you can go on your rant and do whatever the hell you want. But I meant, <laughs> I meant, Kelly was. But again, it was because of their opponent. I think that if this had been anybody else, if this maybe was, I guess the Giants is not really a better comparison, but any other team, the Diamondbacks, let's just say, if this was against them, I don't think it wouldn't have been as big of an issue of him getting suspended, but I think people still would have been mad. But because it happened against the Astros and the track history with them, it's like, okay. But that's what MLB gets for not handling this situation properly. But exactly, though, that is their own fault in this situation. And and here's the thing. I think ultimately Dave Roberts and Dusty Baker should have been the only ones suspended because they weren't able to keep their teams in their dugouts or in their respective areas wherever they're social distancing or whatever. Yeah, that's because, usually when the suspensions start getting well, handed out. Well, and that and that's the thing is the MLB was so adamant about no fighting this year. No benches clearing. We got to maintain social distance and all of that. And that ben- the benches clearing it. And what happened last night is the complete antithesis of social distancing. There wasn't social distancing when it happened. I did see a couple of the guys with their face coverings on when the teams were kind of close to each other. But I think that should have been the ultimate punishment for like that should have been the only punishment is Dave Roberts and Dusty Baker both get a game. The MLB, like I said, should have known this was going to be coming from not only the Dodgers, but the rest of baseball. There's been plenty of players that have come out on social media since the suspension was handed down that have come out in support of Joe Kelly, and they said that the MLB should have seen this coming. So, I mean, like I said. Yeah, they should have. No doubt. I mean, this is for for sure this is – a lot on them. I mean, you want to you want to throw down the hammer now. It's it's ridiculous. That's why it's going to be it's going to be awesome to watch for the rest of the way. I think the Astros are getting what they deserve. And I definitely think there are going to be other pitchers that throw at the Astros, not only because they're yeah. upset that they cheated, but also in support of Joe Kelly. Well, what you're going to get yeah. is this: is because again, there's no fans due to the coronavirus. No one's attending the games. The fans would have t- taken it out on the Astros when they visited their home team's right. stadium. There's, there's nobody but to the to players. Give it to them. The players are going to take it upon themselves now to hand it to the Astros. You're going to see this across every opponent that the Astros face, not just the Dodgers. But I think it hurts more to the Dodgers, and I could see why Joe Kelly did it. But he wasn't even part of the, that that team though that lost. He was against part him. of the 2017 Red Sox though yeah, I don't know that, what I'm saying. that yeah, Houston he, beat in the playoffs. Yeah, so so he has he has every right to be mad too. 
Yeah, but you, but you brought up you brought up the point too that he was with the Red Sox. You don't know if they cheated, so right. That's a little, but with, you know that's neither here nor there. But he's a pitcher. So they they were stealing signs at, at, when they were at bat. Yeah, Joe Kelly doesn't bat in the American League. So anyway, let's move on now because I wanted to talk about something that I brought up. Well, it got brought up on the Nameless and Unfamous podcast Monday night, and I hopped out on their show. Shout out to Russ ADM One. Dan Clark, Rojo. Uh, be sure to check them out wherever you listen to podcasts at NAU underscore podcast on Twitter. But th- this topic got brought up when we were talking on their show, and I'll just say this. I'm I'm honestly kind of worried about the Dodgers. I know they, they have a really deep lineup in the bats, have been really hot lately, but there is, in my opinion, zero room for error in this 60-game season. You can't lose four, five, six, seven games in a row. And I know they haven't done that yet, and fingers crossed that they don't. But in my opinion, you just can't go on a losing streak like that early in the season because you'll be out of it before you know it. And there won't be enough time to make up the ground that you've lost. And that there's zero room for error with the Dodgers this season. And this is realistically their last chance with this core group of guys that went to two World Series in the last three three years and are looking to try and make it three out of four and finally win one and win one for the Dodgers for the first time since 1988. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Like, what do you think the difference will be for players in this 60-game sprint of a season versus a 162-game season? Do you guys feel the same way about me being that there's zero room for error and you can't, like, go on it? an extended losing streak because you'll lose too much ground and there won't be enough time to make it up. Oh, absolutely. I think baseball, all, all teams have zero room for error. And especially because baseball is just one of those sports where if you get into a stride at the end of the season, that's perfect for you because that's all you need. Where I think for other sports, it's, it's a little bit different because you can kind of get that stride in the playoffs or, you know, it's in one game if for football. But I think baseball, it's just so important to have that, that streak go on heading into, into the postseason. So Without as many games, you just have less time to do it now. So you got to get your crap together in a shorter amount of time, and that means that you got to adjust to your lineups and you have to adjust to your uh, to your pitching rotation, because that all that's going to matter heading into the postseason. Do we lose Tyler? Oh, sorry, much sure what I, I I like meet it when other people are talking. No, you're you good. Know, you know, and then I started talking, then I looked down and. Uh, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure we didn't lose uh, you. No, you didn't. I was just talking to nobody. Uh, (laughs) But no, I think that uh, it's it's literally just math. I think that you know it proves that sixty games versus your regular what what is it one? How many games? One hundred sixty-two. So you know it's just like every single one of those games is is damn near is like worth two and a half games. So. yeah, I mean, I think for every single team in the league, every single game is more important. And I think what it does is it evens the playing field and evens the shots at getting in. You know, there's a, a smaller sample size to get there, so the cream doesn't have as long to rise to the top. So, you know, for teams like Seattle Mariners, you know, this is a good thing because if they can just get hot for a little bit, they can carry their run all the way. You know, they've been in playoff positions before you know 60 games into a season so it's like if they can you know reenact that but in a 162 game season i you know the mariners are making the playoffs 
Yeah. So, uh, so that's where, you know, the pressure from being a good team, it's like, you know, typically you have your 162, but now you don't, and all these games are just that more important that you can't let these other teams that aren't as good as you, you know, get ahead quick and you not, you know, miss your shot. Yeah, totally. Now, I also have some more good news. I just got the alert. The Dodgers hit a two-run home run in the top of the 13th, so they now lead 4-2. to two over the Astros in the bottom of the 13th. So hopefully they can squeeze this oh, W they, out. They want this series win. <laughs> they need to get this this series win. It'll it'll be very refreshing for a, for a lot of Dodger fans who who have had a lot of pent-up energy uh over the last what 6 months or so since we found out about the scandal and and when it broke and all of that. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a fun sprint. I'm definitely excited to see what happens. I th- I know I said I was worried, I, but I am confident that the Dodgers will make the postseason and will make another run at the World Series. It's just a matter of if they can can pull it off and win the big one this time. So we'll see. But last thing now for baseball, just a, a quick fun note. I thought that it was pretty cool. We know that Patrick Mahomes obviously got that huge deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's now using some of that money and investing it. He is now a minority owner of the Kansas City Royals. So he he does have a little bit of a, a connection to baseball. His dad played in the big leagues as a pitcher, and Patrick himself was even drafted by the Detroit Tigers in 2014. But, I mean, big ups to, to a... A young man, I almost said kid, but he's not a kid. He's he's a young man who who's been able to to fulfill his lifelong dreams. And I'm sure a lot of people that love sports dream of one day being an owner. And Patrick is now getting to live out his dream of playing in the NFL and also maybe even fulfilling another dream of being an owner. So I, I thought it was pretty cool that that he's getting that opportunity. Yeah, that's sick, man. 25, 26 years old. Again, you know, he's not necessarily the first guy to do it, but, you know, I think Rogers, Rogers is also uh, a minor, uh, minority owner of the Brewers, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's just at that age, uh, and then just doing it right after he gets paid, it was obviously something he's always – you know, been had an eyeball. Well, on. you got to do something so, with all that money. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's a pretty that's hefty it, contract to a, just have it sit there. Good way. It's a good way to invest it, man. My uh, sports teams make a lot of money. Yes, they do. Yes, they <laughs> do. But all right, let's uh, let's transition to some football. I'm just about that action, boss. You play to win the game. Hello. You play to win the game. That's why we took the damn field. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Great cash, homie. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's as good an effort as I've ever seen in my life from a running back. Don't you ever talk about me. Wilson toward the end zone. The hold is down. The kick clears the line. And Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. It's my quarterback. All right, I know Tyler's been waiting the whole show to talk about this, but let me let me set the stage real quick. The Jets 
have traded Jamal Adams and a 2022 fourth round pick to the Seattle Seahawks. The Jets land a, well, excuse me, the Seattle, the Jets land a first and third round pick in 2021 and a first round pick in 2022. And they also get safety Bradley McDougal and Jamal Adams now is the fourth superstar to be traded for packages that include two first round picks, Laramie Tunsil, Jalen Ramsey and Khalil Mack were the others. So Tyler, I'm gonna turn it over to you. What does the addition of Jamal Adams mean for the Seahawks? Man, I just think it's uh, obviously a Super Bowl run. You know, I think it locks it in even more. We, we, the NFC West is is just become such a dominant division. I mean, all all these teams in our division have made massive improvements in the offseason via draft and free agency and just progression of young, you know, young talent. Um, they just kind of ensure us getting this, this, uh, you know, this this division title. And as far as the pick goes, I just I've I just believe you know when we cover the draft that I, I say first rounders to me are just overvalued in the NFL. I don't believe I think that you get a lot of the I think a lot of the you know good talent that Seattle drafted over the years have been between you know rounds two and five. And so we trade, we've traded out the first round a number of years and our first round picks haven't, haven't been or are, are necessarily where we hang our hat outside of, you know, maybe like an Earl Thomas. Um, but most of our studs, you know, Richard Sherman and, and, and Bobby Wagner was even a second round pick and Russell Wilson, a third round pick. These are the guys that we've built our franchise around uh, and they don't come necessarily in the first round. So to me, for for having you know eight straight winning eight straight I believe winning seasons with Russell Wilson, uh, I don't think that we need first round draft picks. We need veteran players to kind of lock in these Super Bowl runs, and we're just as, we're just as deep on defense as anybody now, if not the best defense in the NFL. Yeah, no, I mean I think this was definitely an all in type of move on this season for Seattle, obviously. We know they, they've been a contender as long as Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have been a, a, a coach, a quarterback tandem. And obviously the defense has been a huge part of that as well. Adding a player like Jamal Adams, it's so scary for me as a Rams fan to know that we're going to have to face that Seattle defense and that secondary with him, uh, Bobby Wagner, the, the Griffin brothers, all, all those guys that you guys have on defense, that's scary for the Rams offense to go against. And it's just another reason why, I mean, we say it all the time on this show, but it's another reason why I think the NFC West is the best division in all of football. And speaking of the West, though, what does this mean for the uh, for the Niners? Because they, they, have, they have a great defense, too, if not one of the best last year. And the Rams have the best player in all of football, arguably, in Aaron Donald. So you have three teams already and, and, that are pretty and, stacked and defensively. Mean, and, and then you got, you know, the Cardinals, Chandler Jones is a top 15 player Easily. in the NFL 100. Easily. Isaiah, Sim- Isaiah Simmons was, you know, arguably the best defensive player in the draft this year outside of maybe Chase Young. So uh, they have a Patrick Peterson. They have a Buda Baker. 
It's, it's you know, uh, the whole division is stacked defensively. But uh, Jamal to Seattle is everything. Uh, just being able to replace the 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 ground coverage. And, you know, he's not at necessarily an Earl Thomas level as far as covering ground. He's at an Earl Thomas level as far as overall talent. And he's going to allow our defense to do the things that we did with Earl Thomas again. Um, and that's that's where it's more it's more of a schematic addition, even more so than necessarily his name. His name is is why the scheme is going to work so well. Our our big physical cornerbacks, you know, Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers are going to be able to play physically on the outside. It's going to be tough, man. The the Seahawks are going to be uh, uh, dangerous. No doubt. Now, it, I, I'm going to transition now to the next topic a little bit because you said Seattle's going to be dangerous, but do we even know if Seattle's going to have a chance to be dangerous? I mean, I have I have the full list of NFL players sitting out the season. Uh, just a, a couple highlights. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, six New England Patriots. We got guys like uh, reigning Super Bowl MVP Damian Williams sitting out. We got Devin Funches of the Green Bay Packers sitting out. Uh, Marquise Goodwin of the formerly of the the Niners, now with the the Eagles, he's sitting out. De'Anthony Thomas of the Ravens, wide receivers sitting out. Chance Warmick of the Seattle Seahawks is sitting out. I'm sure the NFL is watching Major League Baseball very closely because the NFL is adamant about playing their schedule without travel restrictions or having to go to a bubble. Are we going to see football this fall, boys? Honestly, I'm trying to be optimistic about it, but the I will say this. The one good thing that football has is that you only have eight uh, home games roughly, and so the, the travel is not as much as an MLB season, but what's still bad is that there's no restrictions. And right. so you're still going to have the back and forth. That's what's going to make it tough. Now, I don't know how they would make a bubble. I don't know where you could put one. My best my best thought would be somewhere Las in Vegas. Las, no. Las Vegas or a Los Texas. A Los Angeles is the only city, I believe, in America that has four NFL-ready stadiums. I guess, yeah, that would, but see, the only reason why I'm going to say no to that, it makes sense, in my opinion, or, it makes excuse sense. Excuse me, California, sorry. Yeah, California. The, the state of California, bubble, sorry, not Los Angeles. But yeah, we can't, can't yeah, I'm with Tyler, we can't bubble players here, especially because LA is just one of those counties that has so many cases, right. so you're just stacking the odds against them. Right. So, I mean, it's... That would be tough, because I think, I, I like, if you're looking at it from a stadium standpoint and how much room you have, yeah, it could house the most teams. But again, where are you going to put all these teams? Orlando worked out perfectly for the NBA because well, so far it's worked so, out. Yeah, so far because the, the you know it's a little bit different with with fraction, NBA. Yeah, you, of yeah, the people. you can you, fraction of the people, you know. Yeah, exactly. And and you can have multiple courts, and, and there's all the hotel stuff. But I think for the NFL, it's a lot. It's a lot different, and I don't see them having a season this year if they have outbreaks. I just think that it's just so much more of a contact sport than baseball and basketball. You're going to have cases stacked up against them yeah i i i uh i don't think that they, they finish the nfl season we may see football in the fall i'm gonna you know proceed on with my life as if football will go but i don't i don't think it's gonna make it all the way through um if they did that'd be really impressive 
I think that the reason why football has a shot um, at getting through is because of the amount of games. It's like, you know, to only play 16 games is that dynamic is in their favor. But, the, you know, the dynamics of everything that Jacob said with it, you know, just traveling as a football team and then you added the number of players on a football team and the yeah, there's of like staff a, there's like a hundred people in a traveling big, party for a football team it, yeah it's the biggest at all sports so it presents the most challenges but if you know if if players are on it um and and every you know it, it shouldn't be an issue like i said premier league soccer i think is a great example of you know it should be able to work out and you know they play with the the same, you know, they play eleven on eleven just like football. Um, but again, it's probably it's more so like, are, can you travel to certain cities right now? You know, certain city like Seattle is going to be tough to travel into. I'm not yeah, going to lie right what now. Local, gonna what be, local governments are going to let teams fly into their cities? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of working pieces to it. So uh, I think that the chances of us seeing football in the fall are high but i think the chances of us you know seeing a 16 game season followed by a playoff and a super bowl extremely low yeah but all right i mean that's that's all i got on my my rundown you well, guys you guys well, got anything to, else to piggyback, yeah to piggyback off of this i wanted to announce that because this is what, why i said i want to you know live my life like there's going to be a football season is obviously our fantasy football Yes. So I definitely I'm going to send out the email on Sunday of our fantasy football league, and then um, hopefully we can just proceed as if there's going to be an NFL season. I mean, we uh, might as well act like it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it uh, how it goes. Yeah, know? yeah, definitely. I'm I'm excited. I mean, we might as well act like we're going to have a season if the NFL is going to act like it. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited exactly. for that email on Sunday now. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for. I'm excited for fantasy football, even though I think I'm going to end up being disappointed. Yeah. But, all right, uh, do either of you guys have a shout-out before we get out of here? No? No. Uh, no, I, I got nothing. Oh, sorry, I was throwing something away. But, no, I don't have one. Yeah, I know. You, miss, you missed yeah, the trash completely. can. completely. It's okay. But, all right, I'm going to just shout-out the Lakers real quick. Like we, like we talked about earlier, they have their first official game in the bubble tomorrow against the Clippers in – it's time to bring home championship number 17. So, all right, don't forget this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by Campus Point Coffee. If you're a coffee lover or you want to rock some cool merch while helping save the beaches, just enter promo code TSK Show at checkout. That's promo code TSK Show, capital T-S-K-S, lowercase H-O-W at checkout. Promo code TSK Show for 15% off your purchase at campuspointcoffee.com. Support us. Support a company that makes some of the best coffee ever, and these people are also trying to help save the beaches. With that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pachoki and at Jacob double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.